Coming up on episode three of Ovius and Gilio, the Carolina Hurricanes go to New Jersey for game three. It does not go well, but we're not sweating it. Greg Wyshynski, ESPN, will drop on by to help us talk about that. We'll get into what happens when a nondescript NBA owner gets into it with an NBA superstar. Anybody going to get suspended from this? Plus, we'll answer some Hey Joe questions, which will lead to an interesting debate about proper attire at golf events and race events. Uh, here we go again. We know y'all be listening. The OG back and better than it's ever been. Blast from the past. You know that our pace is fast. And if you want to sub, we got something for you to smash. Five stars with them positive vibes. Don't miss a beat week to week. You just got to subscribe. Even if your team's got you hella mad. Don't worry, we write our prescriptions on a yellow pad. So settle in, y'all. This is going to be fun. Because when it comes to hot takes, two is better than one. From beer to the Canes to the ACC. Who knows more about this than us, the OG? Let's podcast alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Obias. I would say, Joe, that game three between the New Jersey Devils and the Carolina Hurricanes was cliche in its results. Like the actual result, a loss, a home win for a good team that was going to bounce back. Uh, it was just the way the game went that was very, very strange and bizarre and kind of leaves you... Maybe optimistic about the Carolina Hurricanes heading into game four? Uh, No, it didn't bother me at all. Um, That was a classic. You lost the first two games on the road. You're coming back home. Man, if you don't have your fastball in game three, you're in big, big trouble. Uh, I do think the Devils are a talented team. They're a young team. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, Joe. Uh, when I mm-hmm. saw the younger U's brother in the press box in Raleigh in the first two games, I was kind of like, that's pretty good for the Canes. Uh, yep. You know, we've talked before about how Tabo Taravainen might unlock the best in Sebastian Ajo. I-, I suggest perhaps Jack Hughes had a little bit of jump. Uh, and I get it. His brother is, is even younger than he is. Just getting it, cutting his teeth. But you saw a little bit of juice that he added, added to their lineup. And then, of course, the classic, Joe, as we've talked about a lot, when you have Jordan Stahl, and if you're just a basketball fan, I've had some people reach out to me on Twitter. Hey, man, I'm still trying to figure out this hockey thing. Well, right. Jordan Stahl is your lockdown defender. He is your Gary Payton for uh, people of our age, right? Your Theo Pinson, if you will. You're, you're Leaky Black. And when when Rod Brindamore has that last change on home ice, he can match Stahl up with Hughes. Well, well look mm-hmm. at that. He didn't have the oh. match. And, oh. and Hughes... Use Jack Hughes literally uh, had a hand in the first two goals of the game to get the Devils off and running with those first two goals of the game. 3-0 by the end of the first period. Uh, the only real glimmer, Joe, was the uh, back-to-back shorties there that yeah. Stahl and Jarvis had there in the third period. But then I wanted to clip it, and maybe I still will for Wednesday's show, of Rod's reaction uh to the to the five on three call <laughs> that oh, yeah, the one on no. slavin like of yeah. all the people you're gonna call a penalty on jacob slavin that that was peak rod reaction <laughs> so we'll get into uh, a little bit more with eric cole uh former carolina hurricane in just a few uh we'll get into some goalie stuff as well because you know i love talking about the goalies uh and some yeah. other things that we'll and then we'll get into we get to Hey Joe questions and Greg Wyshynski of ESPN is going to drop on by uh, and a story and how the house always wins. And apparently, according to Gilio, I do have a new favorite golfer 
in the world. So we'll, we'll have to get around to that. All right, you mentioned Rod Burnamore. Uh After the game, Rod was very blunt. They were not oh, we were good. good. I, I don't know what else to tell you. I've never seen us play like that. So, hey, but I give the credit to the other team. I mean, they were on it. They were they were dialed in, and, and then, like I said, the, gave up a couple and one. You know, we'd like to have back for sure. And the shorthand one that was kind of a backbreaker there. Like that, that can't happen. But you know, and then some weird things the rest of the game where you know, I mean, at the end of the day, we we just weren't good enough. At the end of the day, we were just not good enough. Classic Rod Burnamore after the game. Here's Jordan Stahl on, you know, the whole, oh, you go back for game three, you're going to have a level of expectation from the team that's desperate. He didn't like the way that they responded. Uh, we well. talked about we knew was, we knew they were coming. Um, so we looked surprised. Um, we shouldn't have been. But, uh, you know, I think uh, we started to kind of settle in the game a little bit and then, then just everyone was just kind of just a little off and sloppy with the puck, slow on our skates and slow on our forecheck and just kind of just a little bit, a couple inches off here and there. And, um, and you know, give them credit, they, they battled hard and they won all the puck battles, especially early. And, and uh, you know, they played a little freer once they were up, obviously. And um, that's their style and that's their game that we don't want to play. So that's Jordan Stahl after the game and uh, how the team came out for game three. Here's the thing, Joe. In a weird sort of way, you look at the final score and you just go, yeah, just flush that one, right? It's the classic burn the tape. Don't think about it. It's easier to move on from that because you didn't have it. But I don't get that sense from the Canes coming out of this game. I feel like uh, the, the tenor of the game changes because they hit the post three freaking times, right? Uh, despite the fact that Freddie Anderson was not good early on and they had to go to Peter Kochekov, they still found ways to make this thing interesting. Um, I think it got down to, what, 7-4, and you're thinking, I mean, stranger things have happened, right? And, of course, we got that yeah. interference call that uh, that Brendan Moore was not really happy about. All this is to say is that I'm not going to read too much into this for the classic reasons why you wouldn't read into a blowout game in a game three with a desperate team being at home. I would simply say that clearly New Jersey's goaltending is still a problem. All right. It is still a problem. Whether it was the young guy with Schmidt uh, who got run out on Friday night at PNC Arena, going back to the uh, the vet in Vanasek, but it wasn't like he was all that great either in a game that should have been pretty easy for them. I like the way the Canes fought, and I like the fact that it clearly proved that they can still take advantage of their weak goaltending. Yeah, it's 7-2. They get the two shorthanded goals, mm -hmm. and you're going, now, now wait a second. Uh, this is not a team that rolled over, and they're never going to. That's not no. Rod style. Again, I, we went into this playoffs, and I said to you, the difference between – teams one through 15 and here's where I was wrong right I yeah. said to you the difference between teams one through 15 isn't that great now the last team in I thought was the Islanders I didn't think they were that good um but look at what Florida has done what look at Florida continues to do Seattle on the other side of the river a second year uh team that is you know basically had no business beating the avalanche but that wasn't even really that close of a series they dominated uh, last year's Stanley Cup champions. So the difference between these teams is just not that great, all of these teams. Yeah. So it comes down no. to how good is your goaltending, how good is your power play, how good are your best players? Are your best players your best players? And that's where I thought Hughes yesterday asserted mm -hmm. his authority, announced his presence. The two early goals sets up the first uh, from behind the net from Gretzky's office there and then scores the second. That's what you need out of your best players. And they got it. 
And it wasn't just a one-person game, uh, you know, to get to the goalies, if you'd like to transition to the goalies. Freddie obviously wasn't great. He wasn't sharp. No. Uh, but I, I thought I thought last yesterday the Devils were able to run with Rod. That's their game. They want to run mm-hmm. with you. Uh, I, I like the Canes' chances against any team that wants to run with them, particularly now that Colorado is gone. Colorado would have been the one team I would have said, okay, they can they can probably lace them up and run with the Canes to get up down the ice. I, I, do, I do not think the Devils ultimately will over the course of a best-of-seven series. Oh, gee. Oh, gee. All right, so in the NHL, you have fights. I mean, we saw Eric Kala get into a fight. Would that be pest control, Joe? Taking yeah, care Eric of Hala, Hala. He's, he, he's very much a pest. It is what it is, right? Yeah, and do you know who can get rid of pests? Our very first OG sponsor, Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority. Check them out, bugsbite.com. You're going to go to bugsbite.com. They're going to ask you to enter your zip code. They're going to find you the best Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority for you. Check them out on Twitter. It's no mosquito NC. 919-807-1951 is the number, Joe. All the ways, Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority, ants, termites. I don't know about you, uh, particularly this time of the year with ants. And, I, and I'll say this about uh, Hayes Lancaster, who runs Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority. There are so many different services that they have. Uh, I had termites two or three years ago. And I'm sitting here going, how in the world did I get? Because of the firewood right, during the, the firewood, pandemic. Right. And, and, you know, his guy comes in and he's looking around my house because I got ants, I got termites. He's like, uh, Joe, you, you got to get rid of this firewood or at least put it way, way, way behind your house. Yeah. So uh, ants, termites, anything underneath your house, crawl space, uh, mildew, mold, you name it. They do it. Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority. Check them out. Bugsbite.com. And I use Mosquito Authority. You talk about the firewood and the termites. Uh, where, where I live, it's down in the holler. There's a lot of moisture. I got a creek running in the background. There's a lot of mosquitoes. So they've already started the process. They've come out the last two months, I think it is, to get ready for the summer because we spend a lot of time outside. And with Mosquito Authority uh, and their pest control sol- solutions with that, it's pretty awesome. So again, shout out to Pest Authority and Mosquito Authority. Do we have a hashtag yet? Is it Bang Bang Joe Gang uh, when you join? When you join right, the group? So, we got so to make that happen. I love our tweet today. Uh, I had young Tanner, our, our, our intern, <laughs> our first intern, create a signed, you know, tweet. Because that's what all the kids do these days. And Tanner, the, the senior at Garner High School. And he goes, well, do you have a, a hashtag? I'm like, I do not have a hashtag. I just want the, I just want the, the you know, the over the top signed tweet. Like, oh, you need a hashtag. And he comes and he says, bang, bang, Joe gang. And I'm like. I like well, that. you know, I go. Obvious often tells me that there's a there's a spot on the internet for everyone. There's something out right. there for everyone. You're right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Uh, just like there's a spot on the internet for the Jokic brothers. Remember, remember a couple of years ago, I think it was 2021. Uh, there was an incident between the Heat and the Nuggets, and Jokic got into it with the Heat, and everybody was all worked up. And was it? I think it was. Uh, it was it was more Morris's brother got on Twitter to say something about what happened, and then the Jokic brothers got on Twitter as a joint account, and they're like, "You can come see us about that." You know, like th- this is clearly not people you want to mess with. They are about that life. Jokic is about that life, which is something that the Phoenix Suns owner apparently did not realize, as he wanted to hold on to the ball in the second quarter, and uh, Jokic wanted that ball back to try to take advantage of 
the the essentially a man advantage in basketball in that inbound that ball real quick let's go um but the owner matt ishibia was not letting that ball go so he gets up Jokic takes that ball and the the owner of the suns did not like this kind of kind of like fought him off Jokic gives a, a very light elbow man a very light elbow and he flops and i'm like man that was a really good flop i have not seen a <laughs> flop like that like that's a really good one so I thought, so I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like that guy, does this guy play ball? And then sure enough, Joe, sure enough, the owner of the Suns, who had a wonderful flop in that game last night, did play college basketball. He was a walk-on at Michigan State. So really, really proud work of a former college basketball player selling that flop to draw a technical on Jokic, uh, who won't get suspended, I don't think. At least that's what the ESPN insiders are saying, Joe. But uh, he did get a technical and did change the game. All right, so there's two ways to look at this. If that was a regular fan who mm-hmm. did that, would the NBA suspend one of their best players in a series now, Joe, that's that's tied two to two? Meaning meaning what? If it was just me or you on – well, it wouldn't be us. We can't afford to sit on the front row. If it was a normal fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah NBA yeah. player interacted with an, a normal fan physically like that, would the yeah. NBA suspend that player? Does it play out the exact same way? Yes. Yes. No. He was not. an instigator. The fan was the instigator. Then the answer to that would be no. Okay. They're not going to sus- they're not going to spend suspend Jokic for that or any player for okay. that. Yeah, that's my only concern. And yeah. yes, I have a Nuggets ticket. I'll, I'll just say <laughs> that. But I would just say that did not that didn't reach the level to me of oh my gosh, he stepped way out of the the, the boundaries of how you should normally behave as an NBA player. Uh, we saw Russell Westbrook after uh, one of the games back with the Clippers have a verbal, um, excuse me, he playing for Clippers now, have a verbal altercation with the Suns fan. So, look, uh, this series has been really good. And mm-hmm. seeing Kevin Durant find a little bit of that old magic. I do wonder, though, and we've talked about this before, Durant can bring it three out of five nights. He just can't bring it five out of five nights anymore. Sure. Of course, is the marvel of LeBron. He brings it still every single time. So uh, you see a little bit of the Durant magic coming back. I love Devin Booker. He's one of my favorite young players. I love the concept of I'm going to shoot the eyes out of the basketball and beat you that way. I do love that thought process from the Suns. Uh, But I look at Denver and Jokic last night with 53 points, just just bullying people down low, like just, just old man uh energy uh in the post there you know there's a cigarette break in there i'm sure somewhere for him at some point because that was just there's some old euro energy in there man uh fascinating and then the lakers you know again lebron with the warriors that that's been fascinating to me and on the east you know james harden man uh two out of two out of the four games now has really found his fastball Mm -hmm. and that series is locked you figure whoever wins that one, I'll say it aloud, right? You figure whoever wins the Boston Philly ends up in the final. But Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler continues to do the thing, man. Tahit culture. Heat, Heat culture, culture, baby. Jimmy Butler. Yeah, so fat. He's a great story, too. So great storylines for the NBA in the playoffs. Great players right now. And again, I think you could say the same thing about the NBA that you say in the NHL. Mm-hmm. There's not this great difference between these teams that we used to see. This isn't the old, you know, Jeff Ruland and the Bullets rolling yeah. up on Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and the Celtics or trying to take down 
the, the, the nuggets of Dan Issel trying to take down Kareem and Magic. The, the gap between these teams is very, very slim. So you mentioned you mentioned Jimmy Butler, and I hope that we once again have a postseason where people can appreciate somebody absolutely turning it on in the postseason. If there's ever if there's ever a legacy um, for basically leaving it all out there or being a complete gamer, it is Jimmy Butler in the postseason. He's not somebody that you're going to obsessively talk about in the regular season. You're not going to talk about him like you would LeBron James or Steph Curry and what's his place or whatever it is. But in coaching, you like to talk about like your Gary Williams death rules, right? Like who do you want coaching? Yeah. If your game is on the line, you want a coach to go and win you a game. I'm at the point now with Jimmy Butler. Yes, LeBron James in his prime is clearly an answer. And obviously Steph Curry's going to hit big shots. But as the saying goes, who's got that dog in him, right? Who's got that dog, right? Jimmy Butler is the opposite. Does the dog have a Jimmy Butler in him? That's where it's at yeah. right now with Jimmy Butler. And uh, it was funny. I was hanging out with my dad, and there was a we're at a one year old birthday party for a family friend. My dad, you know, rolls up with his Heat Culture T-shirt that he got at a game. Oh, does he have one? Oh, he's got one. He actually posted oh. it on Twitter yesterday. He was like, he's jealous. got this. He's got this Hawaiian shirt. He's got the Heat Culture shirt underneath it. I mean, he is quintessential bandwagon Heat fan that is showing up. And of course, the Heat are providing. I wanted to go back to the Jokic thing because that's going to dominate most of your national sports talk today, and we'd be talking about it on the radio one way or the other. And maybe it's because I'm watching succession in its final season are you keeping up with succession in the final season have yes. you started it yet okay i have but i'm not the last two episodes i don't know if you know each other there's been a little bit of upheaval a, a little my, bit in my personal life last uh, oh professional life the last two weeks so How's there okay, okay. I, i've missed the last two episodes but yes i, I yeah. know the ultimate uh pivot point uh in this season yes <laughs> So there's been a consistency in succession throughout when it really does an amazing job making fun of like uber rich people right down to how they dress, right? Right down to how they dress. And if you've been watching the show, you've got Kendall Roy. He's the, the fail son who's trying to resolve all sorts of daddy issues uh, on this show. And they're all trying to resolve daddy issues on this show. But what cracks me up is that they they have a consistency in nailing how all of these super rich tech bro or like you know galaxy brain guys dress so there's this there's this general reaction to what happened with Jokic of like well he's the owner he's got it like how did Jokic not know he was the owner think about it <laughs> what would make you think that Ishibia is a recognizable person he looks like any other super rich dude sitting courtside with his little bomber jacket and a gray t-shirt or white t-shirt underneath that probably call how much do you think that t-shirt oh, costs gross right it's 200. just a t-shirt but it's yeah. probably like you know made of the finest egyptian cotton that was sure. put, put together by you know little worms that specialize in making shirts like this very artisanal and like those guys are, I don't want to say a dime a dozen because there's only a very specific 1% sure. of dudes who look like this. But when you're sitting courtside, all billionaires look alike, man. You don't know who's who. You don't know if he's a celeb, if he's a Silicon Valley bro. You yeah. don't know what the deal is. So how is Jokic supposed to know this? It's not like he's Mark Cuban. I'm pretty okay. sure I'm pretty sure that Jokic would know who Mark Cuban is because Mark Cuban's one of the rare super visible rich dudes who's a main character on the, on the, on the sideline. 
I was going to say too, relatively new owner. Remember the the son's previous owner was problematic in a lot of his speaking of culture, <laughs> workplace behaviors. <laughs> so it's not like this is someone who, like Cuban, has owned the team for uh, you know more than a few years. Although, yeah. if you think about it, in the NBA, how many NBA owners off of the top of your head can you name? Uh, two of them are, are highly visible tech guys. You had Mark Cuban, obviously. He has right. he's on TV. He does shows. He does commercials. And then you've got uh, uh, Steve Ballmer, who was a very visible Clippers. face for Microsoft. And he's the okay. owner of the Clippers. And does I would know. Does Bust own the Lakers? Does she what? actually own the Lakers? Oh, man. Last time I checked, I don't think she actually owns the Lakers anymore. Okay. I think it's part of an ownership group at this point. Okay. So Mickey Arias, uh, the Heat. Only yeah, I mean, of, Ari- I, only because of uh, Pat Riley do we know I him. Do, I think most people think Pat Riley owns the Heat. Is it is it Lubin or Loomis? The, the, I don't know the uh, the guys who own them in uh, the Warriors. I don't. No, 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 no. That's um, oh, I forgot the name of the. I forgot the name of the tech guys. Is it Gruber? <laughs> I think it's Gruber. I don't. I, know. I don't. I'm telling on. you. Second. Think about it. We I could probably know. name the point is you don't know. Like right now, at the NFL, the NFL. You know who the owners are because the yeah. owners are main characters for every team because they actually are visible decision makers. Like I know who David Tepper is, and most people know who David Tepper is because he was clout chasing throughout the entire NFL draft, right? Most owners yeah. want to clout chase in the NFL. So now let me hold up the I have to look up the Golden State Warriors now. I forget who their owner is, but that's you're kind of illustrating my point that most people do not know who the owners are. For the NBA, Joe Lacob. Sorry, Joe Lacob is the uh, or Lacob. That's yeah. Lacob. My bad. And yes, there is a it's Gruber like, in there. I forgot. Peter it. Peter Gruber's <laughs> been around for a long time. He's a very uh, prominent figure in sports and entertainment industry for the last thirty five years, and he's a co owner uh, for the Golden State Warriors. But the only reason why oh, I, I know, know who half those own Sacramento. No, the Maloofs. The Maloofs. The Maloofs. Sacramento. Sacramento. Yeah, they were Sacramento. Yeah. yeah. And then at some point you had Mikhail Prokhorov, who was the owner of the uh, of the Brooklyn Nets, and that was only because people he's wanted gone. to make all their. He's gone though, and that's the thing. I think most people yeah. think, "Hey, who is it? Wasn't it the Russian guy who had like the yachts and everything else?" And people wanted to, you know, the old commercial, "I am epic win." So anyway, I'm not going to fault Jokic for doing that. Oh, there you go. I like your here's, your Draymond here's the right Draymond. Now. You know, we beat him last week on the Apple Podcast charts. Oh, that's right. We did for like a brief moment. We did beat him on the app, but he still has right? his titles. So yeah, well, you know, you know what? We gone. have we have a YouTube show, so you know we got that going for us. I guess. Gee, gee, oh, oh, I realized, Joe. Yeah, that you can ask Coach Joe questions on YouTube now. I didn't realize these are still, these are all things that I'm learning. I, I promise oh. transparency. I try. I promise transparency on this podcast and YouTube endeavor. And I did not realize that there's like a community function on YouTube where you can just like post, "Hey, do you have Hey Joe questions for us?" And people can leave comments and leave Hey Joe questions or any other number of things that are on there. I did so, not know that either. So I'm I, glad you're on this. Hey man, you I've know been, I don't know how to post a YouTube short, which you're gonna have to teach me as well. Yeah, I, I am gonna have to teach you how to do a YouTube <laughs> short. All right, to our guy Al Hood over under on why do the national announcers hate the Canes questions? Uh, the over under on that, uh, if you took if I'll set it at three, Joe. How many how many versions of this question do you think we had? 
Um, oh, more than that, because people I actually watch the games with, shout out to the Swede, um, they they really don't like the announcers. And no matter how many different times I try to say, like, they really don't hate your team. I probably no, do. They don't. It, I cannot get it through to them that the, the bias that you're trying to hear is just, it's kind of like me with Carolina fans, okay? Mm-hmm. With Carolina fans, they think I hate them. I don't hate them. I just don't love them. So when someone doesn't speak your love language, you assume yes. like a Sith the opposite. You think, well, they don't mm-hmm. love me. They must hate me. Mm-hmm. No, they're they're probably indifferent to you. They're probably just trying to analyze what's happening. But man, there were a couple of times where the, the volume was actually turned down in the room because they were like, I, I cannot handle these announcers. I'll say this to your point about they don't love us, right? Like we'll use, I'll use Mike Maniscalco and Trip Tracy as a prime example here. Mike Maniscalco and Trip Tracy do a fantastic job on Bally Sports, but Trip, bless him, when he's talking about the Canes, he's going to advocate. I'll use the word advocate, not root, not be a homer. He's going to look at things from a Canes perspective. And when you spend the entire regular season listening to a broadcast and consuming media that is looking at things from a Canes perspective and is an advocate for the Carolina Hurricanes, and we're included in this, well, then when you get a national perspective, all of a sudden you're going to be a little confused as to, wait a minute, like like you say, why don't you love this team like we do? I think it comes more from a twofold issue. One, it's more proof that nobody gives a damn about the Carolina Hurricanes on the national level, which is stupid because they have – a wonderful head coach in Rod Brindamore that they can just kind of point to. Like Rod's a star, man. Like I don't know how much I can put it bluntly. He is a star. If if Rod, let me put it this way: if Rod were coaching somewhere else, let's put Rod on one of the more traditional teams. Are you telling me that Rod Brindamore wouldn't be huge? Right. I'm, I'll push back just ever so slightly because these are people who played in the league or followed the league. Now you have to remember, and Rod said this the other day before game one against the Devils, Rod was not a glad hander as a player. No, he, he was wasn't. Not, he didn't press the flesh as a player. Now he wasn't rude to the media by any means, but when you went into that locker room, you talked to Ron Francis, mm-hmm. you talked to Glenn Wesley, and if you could drag Rod out of the workout room or more likely you went in to the workout room and you talk to him. Please don't misunderstand what I'm He was never rude. He was never indifferent. It just yeah. wasn't his favorite thing. He was not a, that wasn't his thing. As a coach, we've seen a completely different side of him in part because he said, that's now more of my job. Yeah. And, and the, the pregame speeches that you see and some of the other things that he does that you see, he's embraced all of that. He's evolved into that. So, yeah, I can understand maybe I – I don't know his relationship with Keith Jones. I know they played together with Philly for a minute. Um, you know, I, I'm sure there's no animosity there. No, there's no but animosity again, there. But, again, Rod the coach is different than Rod the player was personality-wise. So all of this ties back to it's understandable that you'd be upset. Now, even I, like watching you know the New York coverage, you know, if it was the Islanders or the Rangers, it, it, it clearly – It shows once again that the national media is looking at it from a perspective of where are the most fans, right? And we'll talk to Greg Wyshynski about this hopefully in a little bit in that there's also almost an NC State-like 
effect happening with the Carolina Hurricanes, too. I think hockey media understands they can poke the bear with Canes fans because Canes fans are active on Twitter. It's the old NC State Jeff Goodman Jeff battle Goodman where Goodman knew exactly what buttons to push to get people riled up. And I think there's a little bit of an element of that with the Carolina Hurricanes at play. All right. From Francis Ford Copulate. I don't really want to say that. Uh, now I can on the YouTube. Uh, not having last change today, a major part of our problem, the matchups. Uh, Joe, you, this is something that you clearly talk about all the time. Yeah, and again, with Jordan Stahl playing the way that he does, and Rod's tweaked his line a little bit, so hat tip to Rod, the way that he's changed. And I, you know, I was thinking about this too, that obviously Stahl is a bit of a specialist mm-hmm. at this point in his career, right? You're not, you're not counting on Jordan Stahl to score a bunch of goals. I do think his production typically is up his goal scoring and, and point production typically is up in the, in the playoffs because of the way the playoffs are the style of playoff play fits his style. Right. Mm-hmm. But this gets me to the last three years in particular with Aho, right? Like you have to take that personal mm-hmm. that these other teams are like our top line cannot be matched up with Jordan Stahl at all costs. And usually that ends up with Aho against the other top line. And we saw this last year in the Boston series. We saw it last year with the Rangers series. His group, whoever it is, now usually he does have table. He doesn't have him right now. Totally yeah. understand that. Usually he has Svechnikov, which adds a little sandpaper to that. I get that. He doesn't have that. I'm not, I'm not personally impugning his playoff career. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying to you is he has to accept that challenge as a two-way player. And, and I, the way that he kills penalties, his game has grown tremendously in the last, again, he's 25 years old. I think we all often forget yeah. that Sebastian Ajo is still in the learning curve of his career. So to me, that's the big key on the road. He he has to accept that challenge. And in this series, it'll be Jack Hughes. We'll get back to some more Hey Joe questions in a oh, bit. Gee. Oh, gee. Joining us now from ESPN is Greg Wyshynski, covers the NHL, and sometimes gets into it with Canes fans on Twitter. But Greg, I think you get into it with every every hockey fan on Twitter these days. Why would I get into it with Canes fans, man? Yeah, yeah, you're rocking rocking the bunch of We're all all part of the same gang. I love it. I love it. It's actually something that Joe and I were talking about before uh, before you popped on. You know, Canes fans are convinced that National broadcast just absolutely love everybody else but the Canes, even though you're rocking the bunch of jerks and 2019 was a hell of a lot of fun. And Joe and I are just saying, yeah, it's just a classic case of when you watch ACC basketball and you watch a national broadcast, not everybody's going to, quote unquote, love you the way that you love your team. And there's a different job when it gets to the playoffs and when you talk about teams, right? I mean, for the most part, I mean, I, there was obviously one discernible time when everybody loved the Canes, which was the the first year of the storm surge. Mm hmm. You know, when Justin Williams is doing his thing, like everybody loved the Canes. There was a single person that didn't love the Canes outside of Don Cherry. That's how we ended up with this T-shirt. <laughs> right. But but you have to remember that, like, and, and I say this as a, as a 90s Devils fan, like, when your modus operandi is, <laughs> when your modus operandi is depriving. Why not other... just announce that you don't like hockey, Greg? Not, you like well, the that's what I'm saying. Well, that's, you're making, but you're making my point for me. Like. The Canes modus operandi is depriving the other team of joy. Like mm-hmm. their whole thing is we are going to make sure that you score one goal on our home ice. We're probably going to win the series in seven. 
-hmm. like that that's the whole gig so like it's a different vibe than than you know than you'd find with a team like the Oilers, for example, where every game is a circus. Like as a '90s Devils fan, I can tell you that when you're really good at defending, even if that defense leads to offense for yourself, the the the, the national or North American um, you know like uh, view of your team is is not going to be one of celebration. It's going to be one of like, boy, these games are boring. Like that's just kind of how it is. Oh, that's big Virginia basketball energy right there, Greg. Oh no! Well, yeah, it's a, that's it's why, a, it's that's a why beautiful why game. Know. If you watch it, if you if you just go to Charlottesville and you watch it, it's a beautiful yeah. game. That's why I'm happy Maryland get out of the ACC. Like, just get, get us away from all those those boring boring teams. Have us play Purdue. <laughs> Greg Wyshynski's hanging out with us from ESPN. All right, so game three was predictable in that the team that's down 0-2 coming back home they're still good you've got jack hughes you've got a healthy team of meyer i expected that kind of response from the devil so the, the the result doesn't necessarily bother me i guess if you're a canes fan you can look at it in the flush it because the final score was ridiculous but i actually took it the opposite direction like the canes were still feisty this game was not over despite the fact they got to be 7-2, they made it back 7-4, and you start to think there's a couple shots that hit the post, maybe things go differently after that, but I, I kind of like the way the Canes responded, despite the fact the final score was a blowout. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a bit of, like, the Devils open the door and the Canes walk through it, though. Like, mm -hmm. you know, back-to-back shorthanded goals is a, is a symptom of uh, a reconfigured power play being very sloppy with the puck and, and giving chances the other way. I mean, Vanacek is not going to, have a chance on some of those those shots as they're coming in on breakaways and stuff. So I I, I agree with you. I mean, they didn't quit. I don't think the, mm -hmm. the Canes know how to, or, or I don't think a Rod Brendamore team knows how to. But at the same time, I felt that the, the final score and the fact that it, it kind of felt like before that Palat goal, that it could be one more goal and this thing gets thrown into chaos was much more the devil's not knowing what to do with themselves in, in a spot like that than the Canes really kind of like, forcing the issue if that makes sense greg i don't follow the devils on a regular basis don't I just, worry nobody does <laughs> I, I, but I, I actually did gamble on them at the end of the year and when they had luke Hughes in the lineup i thought oh oh they got a little jump here with this young kid and i i i talk about sebastian aho and, and table Teravan and how there's a little bit of life there when those two are together the life forces that are created so why wasn't why did I see Luke Hughes in the press box the first two games? And then obviously just talk a little bit about uh, why he was up there and then and just a little bit about like how he maybe helped his brother who, who was pretty outstanding in game three. Well, he's a kid and, and, and throwing yeah. a kid into a situation like Raleigh where, you know, the pressure is enormous, not only from the environment, but also from the marauding four checkers that you have to deal yeah. with when <laughs> Carolina is on its game. Like it, it makes sense to not play him there. Um, but that being said, when you generate one goal a game in the first two games of the series, it's pretty obvious that you need to find ways to get your defense more involved. It's pretty obvious you need to kind of change the mix. They were forced into it a little bit by Ryan Graves's injury, but it was the right time to, to put him in the lineup and, and see what happens. And, and what you saw was a guy who can impact play with his skating, uh, a guy who, despite being 19 years old, got the green light to forecheck down low that led to that Severson goal. Um, and you also saw a, a kid running his first playoff power play who throws an absolute lazy pass across the zone that leads to the Martinuk penalty shot. So, I mean, 
you take the good, you take the bad. It, it just so happened that the Devils were good enough in game three to overcome a moment like that penalty shot, which in another game could have been a real momentum turning moment. Greg Wachinski from ESPN is hanging out with us. That's Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Obvious. All right. So Joe gets like some of the habits there, Greg. I know. I have radio habits that die hard. I'd rather, fine, re- I'd rather reset. What, what, what say, is uh, a podcast if not radio in look, your ears? Greg, we literally called this new company the OG live podcasting company <laughs> because apparently that's all radio really was. We were just doing live podcasts. So I'll, I'll eventually get out of my reset habits rather than saying, you know, the only, uh, uh, listen, as, as a, as a veteran of podcasts, here's the difference between podcast and radio. One, you can curse, and yeah. two, um, you can go off on it. Like we could go off on a tangent right now about like Optimus Prime for like 15 <laughs> minutes and not have to worry about hitting an ad break, and that's great. That's so. That's what makes podcasts different and fun. You got 20 some odd years of habits for me to break before I go <laughs> into the. Not that I won't go into a Star Wars, uh, a Star Wars tangent right now. I mean, wasn't there a horse named Baby Yoda this uh, this past weekend? At the anyway, Derby, yeah, I think there was a ba- I think there was a Derby horse called Baby Yoda, which I'm surprised Lucas didn't you know come after him since they. Shut <laughs> well, uh, you know, as a member of the Disney Corporation, I simply can't laugh at that joke. So no, 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 can't have that happen. Cannot have that happen. So all right, Gilio gets on my ass about uh, my obsession with talking about goalies, mainly because talking about goalies is like talking about quarterbacks in the NFL. And I guess that would be another takeaway that if I'm a Canes fan, um, I'm I'm optimistic despite the the score. You said that the Canes took advantage of the Devils having the door open. Well, that's been their issue throughout. Is what are they going to do in net? Um, I, I understood why they went with a young guy on Friday, but it was as predictable as hell what happened to him on Friday that you got Vanacek coming in on Sunday. So what do they do going forward at this point? Because he the young guy helped him in the previous series. Now it looks like Ruff's got a decision to make. No, I think you stick with Vanacek. I mean, I understand yeah. that like he wasn't great, but but the bottom line is that what they need out of their goaltending is not someone to steal games, someone to not lose games. Mm-hmm. And I thought that he made that enough. Big... Yeah, I mean, and, and that's listen. I wrote about this last week in my column. It's it's a it's a league full of Chris Osgoods now. You know, there's only one goalie in the playoffs that played more than 55 games. And that's, that's uh, Jake Ottinger with the stars. Everyone else was in a tandem or they didn't play enough games because they were hurt or whatever. It's it's. And, and on top of that, like no one is really turning to their goalie right now and saying, steal a series. Like the Leafs yeah. aren't saying that to Samsonov when he was healthy. Um, the Panthers weren't saying that to Bob. It just so happened that he was like doing it in the first few games. And the devils aren't doing that with either Schmidt or Vanacek. They're just like, don't lose us the game. And, I thought Schmidt wasn't good in game two. Like I, I thought he he had some, especially on those uh, Kakiyami shots. Like I thought he had a chance to stop both and didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Vanacek's case, I thought he made some really key saves in that game, despite giving up four goals, including that one on on Jesper Fast that was just like on a, on a real tight shot. Um, that was just a really key stop at a key moment. So I think he's earned the crease. I, I'm, I'm I'd be shocked if they went back to the kid at this point. And Vanacek was the starter in the regular season too. He mm. just he just didn't have anything in the first few games of that Rangers series. And then, you know, luckily for the Devils, Schmidt gave him what they needed for the rest of that series. I'm fascinated now, Greg. Where are you from in New Jersey? From Matawan. I'm in uh, Monmouth County, exit 120 on the Parkway, mm-hmm. Central New Jersey. My colleague Emily Kaplan does not believe Central New Jersey exists. Oh. Absolutely. Well, well that's the thing. When you're like a snob from North Jersey, you, you believe oh, there's only a North Jersey yeah. and then everything else. 
Um, yeah. But New Jersey is filled with multitudes, man. It's like, <laughs> think of the Neapolitan ice cream. You have mm -hmm. North Jersey, right? Then you've got Central New Jersey. And then you have South Jersey. And North Jersey basically is like a New York suburb. Central is like the beaches. Mm -hmm. And then South Jersey is Philly, basically. Yeah. So that's kind of how it works. I'm, I'm from Ringwood, New Jersey, which is up on the New York State border. So you understand and what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you, but you I'm probably 40. thought everything below you was South Jersey. Oh, yeah, yeah. At the yeah. time, yeah. <laughs> uh, But I'm 48, and the Devils were not good when I was growing up. And you had to be the hardest of the hardcore to like the Devils when I was in high school. I mean, by the time I got to high school, that's when they got good. But yeah. even then, you, the die was already set. You were Islanders. You were Rangers. So how old are you and how did you come about to appreciate Marty Brodeur and the trap and diehard John Madden and some of these other guys? Well, I'm a Gen X kid. I was born in 77. So like okay. we're, we're around the same like era. You're mm -hmm. you are a, a little bit more towards the the bad years than I was okay. like, you know, I was in high school when they when they I was gonna um, say 94, 94, 95. You're you were. Yeah, I was, I was like, okay. yeah, in high, in high school then. So like. You know that you're right. I mean, essentially, like they were the third team in the market. Um, the year they won the cup, they there was relocation talk. I mean, they were yeah. like talking with Nashville about potentially moving there. Um, Gary Bettman not standing in the way of that, by the way, which was you know a point of contention for myself and the commissioner for a few years. Uh, so like you know that they were an interesting team because they were obviously one of the most successful teams for a stretch of like 10 years. Like they won the cup. They won, they went to the conference final against the Rangers in 94, won the cup in 95, won the cup in 2000, Stanley cup final 2001, Stanley cup in 2003. Like that is a really great run of success. Problem being is that, like you said, it was not a kinetic appealing hockey. It was the trap. It was winning no. with defense. It was Bordeaux making 18 of 18 saves you know, and then on top of that, Lou Lamarillo was the GM and he wasn't really keen on marketing the team. You weren't going to your local uh, Ford dealership to meet Jay Pandolfo. Like it just wasn't happening. Right. So the thing that's happening now, though, is that for the first time in their history, they have a star like like Jack Hughes yeah. is not only one of the best players in the league on both sides of the ice and like compelling and fun every time he touches the puck and he's got an, an, an unfiltered personality off the ice. Um, like he is legitimately a star where, you know, my daughter is turning 13. Um, she's gone to devil's games before, but now she follows the team because yeah. of Hughes. Like, yeah. cause he looks like Timothy Chalamet. So like, it's like a, it's like a whole thing that they've never had before where they've had this like kind of marquee star, both in personality and in play. Um, and, uh, and I, and, you know, he comes at a time when the style of play for the devils, although they can still shut you down defensively as the Rangers found out is very much like go, go, go mm -hmm. score off the rush kind of hockey. So it's it, the, the, the fandom and the excitement that they're creating now is something they've never had before. I feel like if we could go, if we could take some footage of this series and go back to Oh two and show <laughs> the devils and the canes, Hey guys, you guys are in 22 years, you guys, 23, 20, 21 years, you guys are going to play. Again, but it's not going to look anything like this. Yeah, what is, what is back this? Two they're going to be looking at the video, going, "That's a two-line pass. That's yeah. a two-line pass." <laughs> there are rule changes. What, what there is are this? Rule changes. Why, why, is why this? do you what have to this? go touch the puck to ice it? I don't understand. What are you yeah, right. What's a kraken? Who um, thought this was a good idea? A trapezoid. Yeah. What is that? No, trapezoid? no, no. You're right though, because I mean, like, it is a it's a different style of, of yep. hockey, and and it's um, you know, it's better. I mean, listen, there's no yeah. doubt that the 
the rules changes that, that they affected after the canceled season are the re- one of the reasons we are where we are right now, where mm-hmm. you know teams had to start gearing up towards playing a faster style. The salary cap, you know, decreased the number of like goons and pylons you saw down the lineup because now you need cheap labor and cheap labor usually means kids that are making the league minimum and they and they don't know how to defend but they know how to score like there's a whole trickle down effect that's happened since 2005 as to why we have the hockey that we have now and you know we're all obviously of a certain age there's no not lies told there and we all remember hockey being a certain way Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's a challenge for fans that grew up with a with the nhl being more defensive and bloody and bludgeoning to accept what the product looks like today and, you know, have the NHL point at something and be like, that's a rivalry. And you're like, no, it's not (laughs) Detroit. Colorado is a rivalry. That's what it looks like. And so we've had to kind of like modulate our brains a little bit to figure out, you know, what's great about the current product. And there's a lot that's great about the current product. So long as we don't try to compare it to something that doesn't exist anymore. We'll close on this, Greg, and we appreciate the time, man. Um, Toronto understands that just because you win a series doesn't mean it's over, right? <laughs> like, I, I, you, you, cl- we got to, we did it. We finally did it. And oh, oh crap. We're about to get, well, what is happening? I don't blame them and I don't blame their fans, man. Like, you know, that you win your, you've been told forever that if you win your first round series, away you go. Like, right. wind in your sails, the monkey's off your back, like you're going to win the cup. And then on top of that, Florida clears the road of the one team you're worried about, which is Boston. One, because they're great, allegedly. And then two, because like every time you see the spoked bee, you poop your pants. <laughs> so like, you know, that happens and now you're feeling really good about yourself, but you don't realize that the Panthers are the Bruins. Like they're a team that is physical and North South and with talented players and a guy in Barkov who basically does like Bergeron things. Uh, Bobrovsky has two great games. Now all of a sudden they're getting goaltending. Like they're, they were a really good hockey team. And, um, and you're seeing the, the Leafs once again, kind of wilt under the spotlight. And it's, it, it, you know, I didn't see a lot of the game last night because I was covering the devil's game, but like, yeah. and then I was on actually on the subway for Reinhardt's game winner. But like the sense I get is that once again, you know, it's blown opportunities. It's your, it's your big guns, not firing at the right time. And it became kind of the same old story for them. But again, like it's the worst way for the Leafs to lose, which is that they, they win their first playoff series since 2004 there's obviously progress made, mm-hmm. the, and then you you go out as meekly as possible in the second round, and and so now you have to kind of like their GM isn't signed beyond this year, like their coaches in 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 you know where, what's going to happen with him. Do you now look at this as progress? Do you look at it as false hope? I mean, I don't know what you do. It's the worst thing to happen for Toronto because like you still you still you had playoff success, but you still have a lot of question marks about what it means, and that's that's tough. That's a tough place for them to be. Greg Wyshynski, ESPN, NHL. Hey, man, we appreciate it. Uh, thanks yeah. for being uh, a guest on this new whatever venture we're doing right now. I mean, we got nowhere else to go, so we might as well keep this thing going. Appreciate hey, it, man. Anytime, man. Like, hey, Don't worry about a thing, man. There's a lot of – as long as they keep on making erectile dysfunction pills, there's going to be podcasts. <laughs> So you guys are in good shape. Hey, we got gambling coming our way in January. And gambling, too. Let's go. Brothers. If you could punch in a use brothers both score parlay for me, I would appreciate it. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. That's Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. Uh, I am I am confused by wait a minute, can you control the thing? Oh yeah. 
You can control the thing. Look at us. Oh, see, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> so for for those, all right. So as we're figuring all these, some work in, Meg. No, no, no. Okay, here. well, we have to work on some Photoshop skills here. Uh, but I'm, I'm I got some people um, that were working on some things, working on graphics. So I guess we could do a little housekeeping here before we continue on with some Hey Joe questions in the rest of the show. Um, so we're using Streamyard as a way to record these things, both the video and the audio. Uh, and we've been used to, I mean, when I was doing ACC Panic Room, I was using StreamYard. It was the, what the station was using. Joe, you were using StreamYard to record a lot of pack therapy stuff. Yeah. So pretty familiar with, yeah, it's it's easy to use. Uh, it makes a lot of things. Uh, and then I had finally tinkered around, like I know how to like load audio into this thing. We can put video clips in this thing. There's all sorts of tiers that I'll probably upgrade to by the time we get to ACC kickoff because I'm going to need second camera control, right? Uh, and we could have a space here relatively soon too, which would require another camera control, right? So Joe was working on some, Julio was working on some graphics. And I mean, oh, it, why, it, why are you breaking my heart right I now? I mean, I'm not breaking your heart. I'm just saying it's kind of like, if, let me put it this way. It fits with the sort of slapdash copy-paste nature of what we're doing these days. Oh, look at that. You got a little Canes thing. I took the picture. I was very proud of myself. <laughs> I went over to the, the our entrance on the east side of the building, and I'm like, hey, man, we, we got to build up our little archives here. So I, let me uh I do find it funny. Uh, I guess it takes a while to take a sign down. but um, No, they did. Oh, they did finally? Yeah. Oh, well, it was there for the first game. Are we talking about the Panthers? Are we going to talk about how uh, <laughs> Red Rifle might be the starting quarterback, I've been told, by Scott Federer? Look at you. So you just slapped the Panthers logo on that thing? Yeah, I actually used their real logo. What oh, okay. I mean, they're not going to get mad at us for using their real no, logo. No, they're not going to get mad. They're not going to get mad for using that. So I, again, transparency, right? So um, I went and oh, visited. Oh, but, and look, man. And, the, in fairness, it was mostly for our friends at Mosquito Party Festival because I wanted to show them, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is how yeah. our ads are going to be. Uh, to speaking of transparency, hey, man, we're trying to get those ads to be native. We, we are Howard Stern mm-hmm. snappling these ads mm-hmm. because we know you're out there skipping. <laughs> we know what you're doing on the podcast, and we want to get around that. So, again, big shouts to our friends, Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority. But check them out, Bugs Bite. Com. They, might be, now, they might be. Now we're, they might be. Now we're back to this, and I can control yeah. it too. They might be skipping this part of it. Um, <laughs> so we've got enough donations to cover the cost for some equipment. So appreciate everybody who's gone through Red yes. Circle and uh, oh. donated to the show, and we've got that covered. We also, again, much like how it was on the air, you help us out. You do cool things with us. You know, in that in that case, it was listening. In this case, downloading the podcast, watching on YouTube, everything else. We in turn do some cool things for you. So. Did you, are you going to gift? Do I have this right, Joe? Are you going to gift a Sunday ticket package? Yes. Let me, there's a way to do this where we add comments. What are you trying to do? How do I I put my own comment in here for us? Oh, oh, oh. All right. See, all right. Now we're doing, okay. Now we're, now we have a problem here. You, what you want to do is. I just want to put our email up. Yeah. Let's go into the. So people can text the word football to our email. Yes. We are going to give away an NFL Sunday ticket. It's on YouTube this year, our new home, YouTube. So I want to give away a Sunday ticket because, of course, who doesn't want a Sunday ticket? Mm-hmm. And in years past, if you don't know, you had to have Direct TV to have a Sunday ticket. Well, now with YouTube, while it is cheaper if you get a Sunday ticket and you have YouTube, you can still get it a la carte. So either way, we're going to hook up the winner of our contest with a 
NFL Sunday ticket subscription. Here's the catch. You need to email the word football to our email address, which is the OG goes digital at gmail.com. Again, that is the OG goes digital at gmail.com. Then we are going to, out of those emails, randomly, we will pick three people, three. Those three people will then meet us at the Raleigh Times. Okay, there it is. They'll meet us at the Raleigh Times. We're going to play life-size Jenga at mm-hmm. the Raleigh Times. The last person to make a successful move of those three is going to win the NFL Sunday ticket thanks to us at the OG, the Ovia, the OG Live Podcasting Company, and our friends at Empire Eats. Empire Eats, Craig Hatem owns the Raleigh Times, hence the contest. So email the word football to our email, which is theoggoesdigital at gmail.com. We're going to do that the last week of May, Joe. Okay. So next week we'll pick next week's three shows. Mm-hmm. We will pick three random winners. Mm-hmm. We will contact those winners. And then the, in the last week of May, we'll meet at a time that everyone can rally times, play the live size Jenga, give away the Sunday ticket. How's that for our first contest? I like it. You've been, wanting, like to it do this, you've been wanting to do this Jenga thing for a long time. And I, I <laughs> And I finally figured out, oh, yes, it's called banners. And I can type in email football to the OG. Oh, look at that. And I can, talk, you should have told me that. <laughs> and I can make it scroll. You can even make it scroll. Yeah, a little di- Make a little dynamic thing. All right, I'm going to go ahead and hide that and uh, go back to what we were doing. All right, so uh, we'll get through some more Hey Joe questions here. And apparently we'll get to a golfer that will be my new favorite golfer. Yeah. Uh, let's answer a question from David on Twitter. Hey, Joe, do you think all these state fans pushing for Elliot Avent to go will change their mind and want him to coach for life if they beat Carolina? Yeah, it looks like I will admit, and we'll, we'll have to catch up with our friend Darren Vaught of the ACC Baseball Etc. podcast about what exactly is going on uh, over at NC State. But it's not good, Joe. Wait, shout out to Wake Forest, who's now number one uh, this late into the season. That's like a first for them. On the other hand, NC State's been on the on the wrong side of the trend. A team outside of the SEC is not number one. Maybe you're number one compared to everybody else, but the SEC will produce the national champion in baseball just as they pretty much do every single year. Uh, Not to – Wake is having an outstanding season. They are. They absolutely are. They've done a great job in in building up what they're doing. Um, NC State actually has a pretty good team. Uh, Their top two pitchers entered the year injured and coming off of surgery, which is obviously problematic. Uh, but if you look at their run differential, it's actually pretty good, uh, which, you you know, I believe in run differential, point differential, goal differential. Um, but baseball's baseball's a weird game. Uh, and I will obviously not tolerate any slander of, of Elliot Avon on this program. So, um, no, he, he's not. That, no, he's that's okay. not enough. It, that's it's not it's OK. To, it's OK to be upset. It's OK to be frustrated. Oh, but the response to the frustrated than he right, is. The, right, the response to. This is we, we have to have some understanding that not everything related to an offseason means well the coach has to go. <laughs> okay. That's not the solution, especially when um Elliot Avent, more so than any other coach in the ACC, is maximizing the most he can out of a program that doesn't have a ton of money. I think that's the one part that at least my understanding when it comes yeah. to college baseball, you look at the SEC and all the money that is flowing through that conference. 
there's also a want to factor in SEC baseball in towns where it's the only game in town, yeah. right? Like Mississippi people, State, I think, right? Mississippi State has this incredible facility. I've seen pictures of it. I've seen it on TV. It is outstanding, but that's what they want, and there's money that goes behind that, Joe. Yeah, Mississippi State. I was going to tell you, just fired their pitching coach Scott Foxall. They won the national championship two years ago, Joe. Yeah, like <laughs> different expectations, man. It, it's it's different wild. expectations. It's wild, and I remember it just means more. It does. I remember NC State going to ECU for a regional round. ECU's mm-hmm. got an unbelievable stadium. I don't know if you've ever been up there. It's an unbelievable environment. And I remember Boo Corrigan getting up there for the first time and being like, "Wow." And, and Campbell's got a great facility. Mm-hmm. And you look at some of these things and you go, uh-oh, they're playing this thing left-handed. And then, of course, the pandemic year, uh, for instance, the year that Mississippi State won two years ago, you know, NC State kind of sort of beat the best team in the tournament twice and then was, you know, set home. So, All right, we got one from Nick. Yeah. Uh, if you were a teacher and you go on a field trip to the zoo with first graders that gets back to school at four o'clock followed by going to game five for the canes does that sound like a great idea asking for a teacher hey man you gotta do what you gotta do if you're about that hockey life you are about that hockey life i i'm assuming this is the zoo in ashboro which yes. i enjoyed tremendously but i believe it was our old friend brian lord that i explained to do not get caught in Africa and then have to walk back to the other side of the parking lot. That is not what you want yeah, to if do. You, you will not make it to game five. No. So make sure you have a little bit of patience because you'll be with little people. Of mm-hmm. course, you have that already. But make sure that you get on that little tram trolley thing and don't try to hoof it. Don't be a hero with with either james or jackson on your shoulders i made that walk and i was like no i can do it yeah i've done that i I've, I've done spoiler I've, joe spoiler alert i went I home and we've slept. all we've all been in a situation where uh, the kids are old enough to walk and not need a stroller right now, the stro- normalize a stroller for larger kids is what i'm saying <laughs> Um, like it's not, it's not like, why is that? Why is that first grader in a stroller? You know why is because they still have little legs and they get tired. They can't keep up. They can't keep up and you got to be somewhere. So you stuff them in a stroller and you book it rather than, as you said, you got to carry them. Now, my younger son was at that point, whether he's a kindergarten or first grader was somewhat scared of heights to the point where if I put him on my shoulder, which is the easiest way to carry a kid. He didn't like it. He was like clinging on. He's like suffocating me as yeah. I'm trying to get going. So, and I can't hold them like I would a football, like when they were a baby. Yeah. You know, you got to, you got to, you know, get that support right there. Uh, you can't do that when they're big. And it's not like you can put them around your shoulder. Like, you know, women are built perfectly in that you can put the hip and you're going to go, I don't have that hip, man. Like, there's just some secrets that are unlocked between men and women. And I don't got that. So, Anyway, I'm with you. Don't, don't get stuck in Africa, man. It's the worst thing that can happen. All right, from Triangle Sports Ball, were there any Hey Joe questions you wanted to answer but thought better of it because of the corporate job? Uh, No. I mean, we answered the ones that we thought were relevant to interest on the show, uh, and I wasn't necessarily worried about anything getting in trouble corporate-wise. So 
I, I laugh because you legitimately use real Hey Joe questions. As evidenced by the fact that I can now prove to you by putting the tweets I, on the screen that they are real. I may have once used one real question because, quite frankly, I think I am more creative than the other people. So I want to answer my own questions. Wow. Well, you're going to have to create a burner account to send them to me. Because you won't make any up. I won't make any up. I'm not going to fake a tweet. All right. I'm just not going to fake a tweet. <laughs> Kinchin, what's the better sports fight? A NASCAR post-race scuffle on pit road or hockey players dropping the gloves as soon as the, as the puck drops? No, we have a new one. I actually think that the new best fight is between an owner and yeah. a basketball player. And that creates situations like Mike Malone last night, the head coach for the Nuggets. But this is, it gets back to a point that I was making earlier in the podcast, Joe, about nobody knows who these owners are. I don't know who the new owner of the Suns is. Nobody can identify a guy. He just looks like another rich guy in his little $1,000 bomber jacket with a $500 undershirt and pants that probably cost more than my mortgage. The point is, nobody knows who these guys are. And Mike Malone, this this exchange cracked me up last night because at first Mike Malone, the coach, was asked about a fan interaction, and then somebody informed him, "Oh, well, you know that was the owner." Still not really sure what happened. I haven't seen a video of it. Um, I think it's crazy that Nicola got technical foul in that situation. He's going to get the ball, and some some fan is holding on to the ball like he wants to be a part of the game. Just just give the ball up, man. You know what I mean? And you know they they deemed Nicola doing something that was excessive, I guess, and they gave him the tech, but. Uh, I still don't really understand it. I don't give a shit. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I really don't care. <laughs> and that's Mike Malone has the attitude that you need. I do not care. Has nothing to do with the outcome of it. All right. I think we got time for one more. We will go to our friend Jonas who wants to know if we have thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy 3. You know how earlier you said, Joe, that you know with certain things that have been going on in life, you haven't really had time to do certain stuff like watch Succession like two episodes back? That would be yeah. me with catching up on movies and whatnot, uh, and, or Guardians of the Galaxy. Although I'm behind, man. I haven't even watched Quantum Mania, so I'm like really lost as to where we are with the Marvel thing. Maybe I'll take your approach, and I, all this, this next yeah. phase of Marvel movies comes out, and I'll just watch them completely out of order before the big event. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I'm confused without Thanos. It, it, it's like you're right. Geo geopolitical issues without Russia in the U S. So I'm kind of glad that Russia's back in our life. All right. Last story. You sent this to me and I was, uh, I was curious about this. So you, you texted me something about like, Hey man, I think I found your new favorite golfer or a golfer yeah. like you could appreciate. Right. Is that how you, how you placed it? Yeah. <laughs> Julian Brune uh, shot an 83 in the DP world tour. He, he's actually a, a a former TCU golfer, Joe. And yeah. you might think 83. Uh, that's pretty good, Jillio. Well, you don't get a lot of those in professional golf. And then you certainly don't get um, his response, which was actually brilliant. And yeah. I'll just read you the tweet. Uh, well, I can pull, I can pull oh, up okay. the tweet. Uh, okay. It's here in the golf. It's in the golf story that you sent me with the headline, yeah. you know, pro carelessly breaks rule twice, loses four balls and may have yeah. won the weekend. I'm like, okay, this is intriguing. And yeah, yeah, the tweet's right there. Like, you know, missed three putts inside five feet, but laughed a lot out there. And I'm looking forward to my 7, 10 a.m. tea time to play some more good golf tomorrow. Enjoy golf with the, you know, the the, the crying, sweating emoji. So, yeah, the, the first thing he wrote, though, was 83 today. I sucked. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, you know, 
Uh, I, I total respect there, Julian. <laughs> and he also, the reason that he got the first two penalty strokes, Joe, you'll enjoy this, Manusha. Yeah. Um, when it's wet, they the, the, on the PGA Tour and the other tours, they have lift clean in place, right? So if your ball's in the fairway, you could pick it up, clean it, put it back down, hit it. Now, when it's dry out, that's not something you can do, obviously. Mm-hmm. So the first round, he was allowed to do that. Second round, was allowed to do that. Third round, wasn't. That's the mistake that he made. But when I play golf with people out here, even when it's like bone dry, I'm like, we're playing PGA Tour rules today, right? And they mm-hmm. look at me like, what do you mean? Like, I'm picking my ball up. I'm cleaning my ball. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, it's in the fairway. Cool. So I'm laughing because, you know, it also with the PGA Tour that I love, you know, I've played at the Sedgefield before, before the, the Wyndham yeah. Championship. Yeah. They have those stadium seating set up, and you you could use that thing as a backstop, man. And then you get a free drop if you hit it. And I'm like, I need to somehow be good enough to play on one of these tours so I get my free drops, I get my lift clean in place, I get all these cockamamie. Oh, I got all these people finding my ball for me? Like, I, I could save five strokes easy, Joe, easy. I mean, now playing on some of those courses at uh, that's a little bit different. Yards, eh, it's probably not going to be great for me, but let me tell you, I just I'm, I need those PGA Tour rules. I enjoy the con- there was a conversation that took place this weekend because F1 was taking place and the Wells Fargo was taking place out in Charlotte. And I know I saw the field at the end, like, you know, it was, it was a pretty, if you're a hardcore golfer, if if, if it's you, Joe, uh, how things played out at Wells Fargo apparently turned out amazingly well. But I think it was Kevin Clark of the ringer who would ask the question, like, you know, what's a worse spectator on location spectator, the guy in F1 race who shows up in a jumpsuit or a guy who shows up has head to toe, like a professional golfer, at a golf uh, at a golf event, right? And I'm sitting here thinking, like, okay, I've not been to an F1 event. My dad went Your to dad? Miami. My dad went to the Miami GP in, last man. year. He was all in on that last year. Uh, but right now, he's dealing with bone spurs and his travel uh-huh. is very, very limited. So he went last year. He dropped like three grand. I asked him, like, what did that get you? He's like, well, it got me three days access, okay. but I couldn't get to this. I couldn't get to that. I'm like, that was three thousand dollars, and you couldn't do these things. He's like, yeah, if I wanted to have like the buffet or whatever, it was going to cost me six thousand dollars. So it's pretty ridiculous, which is why I actually am okay with somebody showing up to an F1 event or any race event in a jumpsuit. I don't care how hot it is. It's a spectacle. I mean, if you're dropping that amount of money, do what you want. It is. And the celebrities are there. It's a party. It is an overall spectacle. And I also am probably a little more lenient on somebody wearing a a tracksuit because you and I are old enough to remember that there was a moment in time where NASCAR jackets were a fashion accessory that you had people going out to the clubs in the late nineties, wearing the M&M's jacket, right? You had somebody out at night. You'd see the Jeff Gordon rainbow warrior suit, man. Like that was a fashion piece for people. I remember when my dad bought a Terry Labonte Kellogg's jacket that he was on. I love, he's like, he loves Kellogg's like, that's my favorite cereal. And I'm watching NASCAR and I'm, I'm going to rep the Kellogg's guy. So there's these were expensive too. They were not cheap, man. They were not cheap, which golf attire also not cheap. Right. But I feel like 
I feel like the difference between somebody showing up a tracksuit and somebody showing up to a golf event in cleats or in spikes. I've seen this. I saw this in Pinehurst. I saw it at Quail Hollow when, when we were there for the uh, for the PGA yeah. Championship. And my general thought is, do you think that Rory McIlroy is going to spot you at the tee box hey. and goes, "Hey, beat you." This, this guy looks like he knows what he's doing. Hey, well, you you want to join? And he's like, "Stay ready." Like, oh, I brought my. I bet you. I bet you. There was somebody that there was somebody in Charlotte this weekend that had the clubs in the car already. I'm telling you, just ready to go. Stay ready, all stars, because you never know when yeah. Max Homa might need you to join them. Yeah, the homie. You're right, Joe. I, I cannot. I cannot retort to this uh, argument. <laughs> it's lock solid. You you have won this case. Airtime. All right. All right. All right. That's going to wrap it up for this edition, episode three of Ovi's and Julio. Appreciate everybody who has subscribed, everybody who's followed, whether it's on YouTube or here on the podcast platforms. Shout out to everybody who's given us five stars. Uh, that's how we end up in those Apple charts. That's how we end up in the Spotify charts. It's not necessarily about the amount of downloads. It's about people who are following and rating and everything else. It's an quality. algorithm. It's, it's quality. An, and quality. It's all part of this algorithm, baby. So we appreciate everybody that's done that. And we appreciate everybody who's watched on YouTube so far. Uh, as of this recording, we're at about 22, 2300 subscribers on YouTube. So we've already met that threshold to monetize. Now it's just got to get the watch numbers up. Uh, to unlock the next thing and then we can start going from there and unlock some features and everything else so again appreciate everybody who has followed subscribed rated and interacted with us here on this new podcasting platform don't forget email the word football the og goes digital at gmail.com enter to win our contest we're going to be giving away nfl sunday ticket and i know everybody wants an nfl sunday ticket we'll see you all wednesday when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.